people who hold me accountable are going, hey, when's the last time you took a day off? When are you, when is the last time you went out on a date night with your wife? When is the last time you, you know, and asking me those questions. And that helps recenter me, you know, and recenter why we do what we do. Cause it's so easy to get in the daily grind of everything that we do and my calendar that's packed from nine to five every day full of meetings and back to back to back to back. Come into the light. Shadow moves in the dark. Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. What is it? <gasps> Gaff tape. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Gaff Tape. My name is Nate Anderson, and I am joining you once again with my friend, Daniel Larson. Hey, what's up, friends? And uh, today, uh, we're, we're really excited. I, I think I've got, we've got a really timely message and a really timely guest for you. Uh, Daniel, who do we have on the show? We have Caleb Lepke. He is the tech director at Christ Community Church in St. Charles. Yeah. He's also the uh, part of the core team on Philo and also heads up the Philo staffing portion of that organization, working with Slingshot Group, uh, helping production wizards all across the country find roles that they can thrive in. And I'm really impressed that you got all of his roles I think those are all accurate. I think I think I th- you nailed it. I think so. I may have yeah. gotten the church wrong. We'll, we'll have to have we'll, him. We'll have we'll have clarify, clarify for but, sure. Um, yeah, just like Daniel was saying, uh, right now, especially as we've gone through fall and leading into Christmas, we know that the production world. We know that being in the shadows, uh, you're spending a lot of time in the shadows, and yes. uh, sometimes it gets real dark. It gets real dark, <laughs> and uh, you want to make sure that you're making the the being as healthy as you can and uh, being healthy in your role. And, um, really, you know, I think a lot of times it's tempting too, if you, if you feel like you're not in a role that you're healthy, that you start looking, looking at other opportunities and looking, thinking maybe the grass is greener in other areas too. And, um, so I think it's a a really good discussion, hopefully with, with Caleb today and, and go through a little bit about how to, how to be healthy in the role that you're in and, um, really how to, how to think wisely about making sure that you're right in the right position for you. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about some B.O. What's that? Burnout. Burnout. Not, what, what did you think? Well, yeah. Well, okay. Anyways, should we get to the interview? Let's do it. All right. We are officially into the interview. Uh, what do we call these segments? Yeah. I think we should call them segments. That works for me. I like it. Um, so, Caleb Lepke, the man of many hats. Mm-hmm. Caleb, uh, I am just going to let you handle the intro here because I'm not even going to try to touch yeah. all of the different titles and roles that uh, you've got your uh, got your hands in. So, Caleb, take it away. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I totally do. Whenever I uh, whenever I'm talking to somebody and I introduce myself, I just say I have my hand in a ton of different cookie jars. Yeah. Nice. So I'll do. I basically have two or three. At, you know who can who can say really? But my uh, my main gig, my full time gig, is I am the technical director at Christ Community Church in Chicagoland. We've got uh, five campuses around the western suburbs, and I kind of help oversee global production at all the campuses and help shepherd and pastor those uh, teams and and full time and part time staff that we've got around our campuses. And then I am on the Philo core team. And so for, uh, I would say the last four or five years, I've been on the team there doing um, 
all of the breakouts for our uh, conferences. So I kind of help like say and communicate with, um, yeah, tech people all across the country and say, Hey, what do you, what, you know, would you like to teach on? And what do you think that our community needs to hear? And so we, uh, I kind of help people with that throughout our, uh, conference process. And then on top of that, I run the staffing side at Philo Staffing. And so uh, we have a partnership with Slingshot Group. And so my involvement in that is essentially I help churches find full-time uh, production people uh, kind of all across the country, as well as uh, if, you know, uh, we have candidates that are, for whatever reason, looking to transition off from from their church. I kind of help them take that next step and figure out maybe where God is leading them, give them a little nudge, or say, yeah, maybe you should stay, you know? So I wear tons of different hats. Uh, I'm married, got three kids, a six-year-old, four-year-old, and a two-year-old, and my life is crazy, and it's awesome, <laughs> and I love it. And um, I can't imagine yeah. what time your alarm clock goes off in the morning. You know, I, here's the deal. If my wife, which maybe she will listen to this and she heard that anybody's talking about what time I wake up in the morning, I just, I don't, I'm not good about the mornings. I, they're, they're, they're hard for me. And my wife is a saint and for the, you know, yeah, she, she would definitely call herself the person who uh, wakes up when the children are awake, especially uh, as they were little and waking up in the middle of the night. So, so. Caleb, we talked a lot about, you know, you mentioned a lot about what you do and, you know, have to have three business cards or one really, you know, totally. big eight and a half by 11 or something. But at, at the heart of, of what of what you do and who you are, um, you know, what what makes Caleb Lepke you and, and why did you, um, you know, we, we always ask and we'll, we'll talk later about kind of how you ended up what you're doing, but like why are you passionate about the areas that you serve, especially in the area of like staffing and equipping others? That is a great question. And um, if I ever write a book one day, it's going to be called people over gear. So Ooh. don't, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a trademark it. Nobody can steal it. You heard it here first uh, folks. You, you guys heard it here for first, like, come on, it's, it's my book. I just haven't, I haven't written it yet. So that's if if there's one sentence that can describe why I do what I do, and it's that. Um, over the years, uh, as I've moved in and out of different roles and organizations, and even interviewed at different places, they always say like, "What are you passionate about?" And it took me a very long time to figure out what it was, and I realized that I found the most joy in what I do through helping other church production people figure out where they're at and how to get there. And that's either through the people that I work with at Christ Community and the team of people that help do production at all of our campuses, um, or if it's at another church and they're looking for somebody to help them with whatever that looks like in, in coaching their, their, their uh, production people or uh, even helping them find the next role for them in their, in their, in their career. So, People over gear is what I think uh, matters a lot to me, and I want to see the church production world focus less on the things that we all buy and focus more on how we interact with the people around us and the 
people on our team and developing the next generation of, you know, church technical leaders to be able to fill my shoes one day. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I would say in the last couple years, God has really kind of ingrained that on my, uh, on my body and just said, okay, this is, this is what you're kind of put on the planet to do. So figure out how to do it. So I got my hand in a ton of different cookie jars to figure out how I can do it best. That's really good. If, That's amazing. If if we would take it take it a, a step back and go back, however x many number of years we want to, um, what what originally brought you into the shadows of production? So I went to uh, Greenville University outside of St. Louis, and uh, I had gone there kind of with the hopes that I would be able to lead worship, and I, so I started doing these like worship classes. I'm a, I'm a musician. I played in like bands and like totally like I'm, I'm a total like hardcore, like scene weenie kid. If you guys, whoever's listening knows, knows what that means. I got chest tats. <laughs> I've got, I used to have, I used to have gauges, all the, all this stuff. Right. And I realized when I was like leading worship, number one, I'm, I'm terrible. Okay. That's the first part. Number two, when I was in the back helping some of the worship people figure out Hey, how to make their, how to make their stuff sound better. I fell in love with being in the booth and I had done that through high school, but like it was the dream of, Hey, I wanted to be on stage. And, um, I found my new calling in the back of the room at front of house. And I said, I think I like this a lot more because I'm still hanging out with my friends. I'm just a different part of the band now. And so it really started in the audio space of me mixing worship and fell in love with creating atmosphere for, um, atmospheres for people to be able to engage in worship freely, um, without distraction. And like, yeah, that's such a cliche thing to say in church production, but like, that's what I cared about. I cared about looking in the back of people's heads when they were worshiping and saying, is there something that I'm doing wrong or could do better to make these people engage in worship more? And so that's where I fell in love with it. And, um, you know, I, I, I realized after, you know, a couple of years in college that I could actually get a job doing this. And so, uh, I started looking in full-time ministry and my wife and I ended up uh, landing at a church outside of St. Louis in the suburbs. And we were there for a couple of years. And that's really where I got my feet wet of saying, okay, this is what it actually is like to be a TD in a church. Cause I literally had no clue. Like <laughs> I was like, Oh, I just thought it was going to be mixing. And I'm like, no, that's I think that's the one percent of I think everything that I did while I was on staff there for two years. So, wow. yeah. So that's the that's uh, that's going back a little bit and kind of why I do what I do. Wow. All right. So that's the way back machine. Talk to us about how <laughs> you ended up in these. You know, kind of like we'll call them three different roles that you're currently, you know, kind of serving in. Yeah, so um, when my wife and I got pregnant with our first kid, uh, we were still living down in St. Louis area. My family is from Chicagoland, and so um, we said, okay, what does it look like to move back up closer to family? We got a kid. We don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a parent. I still don't know sometimes. Oh, wait, you, you didn't know how to be a parent? Like, day one? I didn't know how. Oh, I thought, I don't know. I thought it would just like show up, but yeah, it, yeah. it didn't. And it still hasn't showed up for me. But, <laughs> yeah. um, 
So we moved up to Chicagoland, and I started on on staff at a church called The Chapel, which at some point today we'll talk about The Chapel in relation to Resi because it's a big one. Um, and uh, when I started there, Todd Elliott was working as a consultant. He had just left uh, uh, Willow, and he had just basically quit to all of a sudden start this magical thing called Philo. And so as part of the way to... Um, yeah, help support that dream of his. He was doing some consulting. And so the chapel where he came on staff at, um, he was there. And so he kind of helped hire me. And without knowing, I got this like amazing, essentially one-on-one experience with Todd to be able to learn from him, to see how he, yeah, pastored church production people, like the visions of what he ever had for, um, for Philo kind of became ingrained in me quickly, um, as a young, uh, TD that really still didn't know much of anything. And, um, so through that and my relationship with Todd, and if you don't know who I'm talking about for Todd, he is the uh, founder of Philo conference. And so, uh, it's been a long time friend and, uh, we're, we're happy to see what he's been doing through church production people all over the country and the world now for the last five, six years. So, uh, so uh, yeah, eventually Todd said, Hey, do you want to join the the core team of Philo to help, um, connect with other, uh, church production people who are doing it in their spaces and say, Hey, I want to know what you're doing at Red Rocks. I want to know what you're doing at Elevation. Can you come share that with a group of people in a breakout? And so I got involved with that. Um, and so that was my initial, like, that was my like second job. And that was, that was the, that was the first, um, addition to my responsibilities. And so, um, it was in 2019. So the last large Philo conference pre COVID, I was sitting in the back of the room and, uh, I was in the final session and I looked around and I'm like, okay, there's like 18, 1900 people here in Lakeside Auditorium at Willow. Um, if I got on stage and I asked, who's all looking for a job. Nobody's going to raise their hand because the person on their right is their boss and the person on their left is a volunteer they brought to the conference. Hmm. And so I thought, how could we use, um, I don't know, the amazing tools that we have at Philo to find incredible technical artists that want to make impacts in their church um, and help them figure out where they want to go to. And so that had been like on my heart and I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, and so a couple of weeks later I had, I had lunch with Todd and I'm like, Hey, I want to pitch you this idea. I'm thinking about starting this thing on my own and I want to see how much Philo would be interested in helping with that. And then it was kind of like, okay, let's do this together. Um, and that turned into Philo staffing. And then because we didn't really know what we were doing, we called a friend of ours, Stan Endicott at uh, Slingshot Group to say, hey, you guys are doing this in the worship space. You're doing this for, for ministry roles all across the country. Um, how are you guys doing this? Because we're starting this in the production space. And then it was like, oh my gosh, we should totally do this together because this is an incredible way to partner and... Um, and, and use the resources of, of an organization that had already figured out how to um, 
do searches for for churches, and then we had the tech people. So how can we how can we bring that partnership together? So that's now been we we just hit two years of that partnership um, in September, and so man, it has been incredible to see how God has moved through. Um, yeah, just the work we're doing, and um, I mean, I, I don't know. Every day I wake up and wonder what God has in store for me, and what the day is going to bring. And so, now we're here, and that's how, that's how my hands are filled with chocolate chip messes from all the cookies that I've been dipping my hands <laughs> in the jars of. <laughs> that's awesome. You, you did, you did touch on it, so I got, I gotta, I gotta go back and and just talk in the story for a little bit because I think it is, a, it's a fun story. So. You guys at the chapel, when we first crossed, crossed paths, um, I think you guys were, and, and maybe didn't even know it, like implo- or, uh, customer number two or three of Resi at the we time? Were, we were definitely that, yes. Yeah, I think the if Chase Oaks counts as a customer, which I think it does, <laughs> we were number two. Yeah. And so when I met Resi, well, living as one uh, at the time, it was Paul. And Brad, and that's all. And uh, we, I think we had, it was through Amplio, we had found you guys at WFX at basically a card table. Yeah. Like, hey, we have resilient streaming options to help you fix your problems. And I'm like, um, we, we have problems that we need to have solved because we were having massive, massive issues with our um, streaming provider to all of our campuses. We had eight campuses across Chicagoland at the chapel. And so we were in the process of making a massive, massive um, upgrade to another, uh, I would say, competitor of your guys's now. We were, we were getting ready to sign a very large contract for. And... Um, we actually, I actually told Paul Martel no, because he pitched the idea and I said, no, you guys, this is just, this is too um, large of a, um, I don't know. It was just a little sketchy at the time. We were just like, I don't know who you guys are. We don't know who you, you like, this is just a thing that doesn't exist. And Paul says, okay, I will be on a plane from Dallas tonight and I'll see you tomorrow morning. And I'm like, Okay whatever. Like, and I, we literally all wrote it off. I was like, uh, who knows? Like now I have to go entertain this guy, Paul, for a couple (laughs) hours to figure out what we're going to do. And so Paul flies up with a decoder in his backpack. He had no carry on. He just had a flight in, in the morning from Dallas and going back that night. And so he comes with like a bunch of decimators and like, it took us, you know, a couple hours to get it all set up because it had (laughs) really never been set up before. And, um, uh, we play it back and we're all sitting in the back of the room and I'm like, dang, this looks pretty good. Like this looks really good. So we're like, Paul, can we, uh, can we see some of our content? And he's like, well, we don't have an encoder here, but, uh, let me come back next week. So he flies home, flies back with an encoder and a decoder. And we, we set it back up and we're like, okay. And we got leadership in the room and we said, uh, here's this amazing product that didn't exist as of a year ago <laughs> and it cost about a quarter of what we were about to spend. How do you feel about us doing this? And uh, so we we did it and uh, it was crazy. I mean, we literally like, I don't know who sent who sent them to me, but Paul 
had asked me for the mailing address and a couple months later shipped me like serial numbers that he's like, Hey, can you put these on the decoders? Yeah. Cause it was before you guys did that. So I was like <laughs> serial number, like five, six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> yeah. ten. that we went around and put them on the decoders. And, um, uh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, you guys had literally changed. Yeah. Our, our way of doing everything. And it was, yeah, it was incredible. Like I, I, the amount of phone calls that I took from churches all over the country that were like, Hey, what do you think of living as one? How does, how does it work? How are you guys happy? I'm like, yes, I'm happy. This is amazing. Like there's nothing I could recommend more. And so that's where I became the long, long time advocate of who you guys are and still am for everything that you guys do. And so it's cool to, it's cool to be able to tell that story, even though I'm a small, a small fish in a very large pond of bigger, churches and organizations that use resi now but it's a it's a good story to tell uh now after the fact absolutely so. yeah, we got to get like plaques out to our first customers sometimes <laughs> that's the first time i've heard that story. number yeah that's amazing yeah, pretty cool. that is so cool wow. yeah yeah it's wild okay so stepping back into this idea of you know staffing and, and you had kind of mentioned like it was like on your heart to start this you know kind of you know, what turned into Philo staffing and partnering with Slingshot Group, where did that come from? You know, uh, you know, and how, why is that like a, a passion point for you when it comes to like, you know, staffing and connecting the dots between techs and jobs and, you know, how, yeah, what, where did that come from? So when I, um, when I first went on staff at the church that I was on staff at outside of um, when I left college, I literally had no idea how to find a church that was hiring. Okay. Church staffing was like hit or miss at the time. You know, this is 11 years ago or something like that. Um, no, not maybe not 11. It was 10 years. They, uh, um, there wasn't a lot of church production jobs that people were posting up there. And so what I did is I found some random website. I literally still have it saved in my, my, uh, my like favorites tab on my web browser um, of every church in the United States that had like over 1500 people. And it was listed from a to Z. And I went through and I, uh, I clicked every single web page and I, um, Look to see if they were hiring, and then if they did, I applied for it, and I got all the way to the M's before I actually got a job. And so, <laughs> my the the church I was on staff at was called Morning Star Church um, out in O'Fallon, Missouri. And um, so, as we were trying to figure out, and as it was kind of on my heart, I'm like, church production people don't know where to go. There's no good resources. Facebook sucks. Facebook groups are terrible. Everybody doesn't help each other. Um, and the only real way for people to get good jobs is to know somebody. And if you don't know somebody, you're screwed. And so I knew a bunch of people and I knew other churches that were looking. And so how can I introduce those people to one another? And so that's really, really where it kind of started. And it was just like, Hey, I, I love people. I love being able to interact and meet people. That's why like, Philo and going to conferences and seeing you guys in person, wherever you are at a trade show, like it energizes me because I'm like, I just get to see amazing church production people. And so when I hear their stories about, yeah, my, 
wife is pregnant and we're trying to move back home to Oklahoma or we're trying to move wherever, it doesn't matter, whatever the reason, um, I'm like, oh, you should call blank. You know, they're looking right now and, and they might be interested. And so that's where it came out of. And it was really just trying to resource production people better to find better roles because um, being in the role that I'm in now, I know that every day is not easy in ministry. Ministry is really, really hard and it sucks like many days of the week. And so to be honest, I was sick of people getting bullied around and fed up with churches and they were quitting to work for integrators or to go work for resi or to go work <laughs> to go work for anywhere else right because like we've all been that we've all been in that space where we're exhausted we're burned out we're like nobody values me as a person nobody values what i do nobody understands what i do and i'm overworked and underpaid and so how um how do I not like my goal was not to provide the grass is greener for the other person and just throw them in another role that is actually going to hurt them as well. The idea was saying, Hey, I think your skill sets maybe aren't the right fit for whatever church you're on staff at now because of whatever, whatever reasons. And then here's some ways that if you are the right person that you should maybe change your attitude or change what you're doing to make that a better situation. But, um, I just think that there are churches out there that um, want exactly what these people have in their skill sets, and I want to help provide that for them. And so if I can help tee up a conversation, uh, it's a win for the church, and it's a win for, win for, the, for the candidate. So it's a, that's where it all came from. Yeah. And we've, we, honestly, we started, and we've been figuring it out as we've gone along. And it's changed so much in COVID, but yeah. it's, been, it's been really, really good. Man, there, there's so much there, and I think there's a lot of different different kind of veins we can go down with that. But like, you know, one of the, one of one of my big questions for you is just like what 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 have you learned kind of through this whole process of of getting, you know, looking for a church job yourself, looking for a church production, you know, role that you were gonna fit in fit well in and feel uh intentional and connected in, uh, to this point where you're connecting others. Um you know what? What do you know now, know now that you didn't when you were going to apply for these different roles? Um, just about the importance of of what you do with the community. Yeah, you know, I think you know when I think of myself specifically as I would interview in in positions or roles, um, I never dug in enough on what leadership was like and me trying to get a really good understanding of who the leaders were and how they lead and how does that interact with me as a person and as my personality. Um, I'm an Enneagram six. And so Enneagram six thinks that basically the world's going to blow up all the time. And like, you know, during COVID I had more toilet paper than <laughs> any other person on the planet. I st straight up guys, I opened a, a, a case of toilet paper today that I bought in like March of last year. Like I have that much. It's yeah. crazy. Um, because I'm a doomsday prepper. I would be awesome at it. Like I need a, <laughs> I need a bunker somewhere. Um, because I think the worst is going to happen. And I'm going to be prepared for it. And I'm super anxious about it too. And so for my personality type, I'm looking at churches going, Hey, I want to know how you, how you deal with those things. How do you interact when, um, yeah, somebody says something in a room that 
may frustrate me or whatever. Like I, I don't know. I, I didn't ask enough questions about leadership. I didn't ask enough questions about where churches were going. I focused too much on gear. And I would look and I'd say, oh, that's cool. I can fix that. I can do that. I can do that. That's great. Um, or I can make this better or, or I'm going to have resources to buy a new PA or video switcher or whatever it is. Um, and I focused so much more on that than the people side of it. And so as we've done this with, with candidates, we actually like people call me and ask the same questions. They ask about gear. They ask about like, you know, what are they, um, what is the church looking for in regards to production that I can help bring to the table? And I say, I actually don't care about your skill set. I care a lot more about your heart and I care a lot more about you, um, pouring and investing and developing people than you doing your job as a technical artist. And I actually tell coach or tell churches that, because they call and they say, well, we, we, need a, we need a guy that's an amazing front of house guy, and we want them to be able to uh, know Ross, Carbonite, and also video switch on the weekends sometimes. And, oh, yeah, if they have, you know, really good experience in Grand Ame or Campsis or Chance Vista, that would be awesome too. So I'm going, guys, that, that's not what you actually need. You need somebody who can develop the people to do those things. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually care if they have Grand MA experience. I care that they have some sort of technical skill and they're relational. That's literally all that it comes down to for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I just say to the church, I say, I think you need to change your expectations of what you think you want because I can provide you somebody that has all those skill sets, but they're not going to be a good fit because this is a church and we need them to pastor these people and develop these people, not just like do the job for them. Mm. So... That's that's what we have learned, and honestly, there's just so much more coaching that happens with the churches to say, you're asking me for this, and I'm telling you that you actually don't need that. You need this other thing over here. So hmm. that's amazing, and I think so. Something we were talking about prior, you know, before we hit record, was this idea that COVID has actually shifted a lot of what churches. Um, you know, perceive what their need is, it's actually changed that and place more of a value on production as, as less of a task role that needs to be filled and more of a pastoral role that needs to be, you know, kind of cultivated and, and really found. And so can you talk to that and like how you've seen that change, uh, you know, for the better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, Churches found out very quickly how much their TDs were developing people as soon as everything shut down. Because all of a sudden, the volunteers on the weekend went away, and the the people that knew things or that were willing to serve or those like high-capacity volunteers that were still willing to be around during COVID and recordings, um, churches very quickly found out, oh, this TD maybe wasn't doing as much development as we thought he was because he now can't, or she now can't take a weekend off. We have nobody to edit, but themselves and they're working 80 hour weeks just to get things online and upload it to Resi so we can do a sim live all weekend. Um, And so what we saw was the shift in churches saying, actually we think that we need somebody who can do those things more than what we, than what we had. Number one, um, and then I think the flip side to that is, um, 
churches all of a sudden realized that church production people were some of the most important roles in the church other than the teaching pastor or senior pastor. Now, I say that with a disclaimer. Everybody knows that's not necessarily true. However, there was all of a sudden like this magical importance that all of a sudden got shined on church production people and wearing black all day, running around and trying to figure out how we could do this. And for the most part, we did it. Like for everybody who's listening to this, like you did it. If you're listening, you survived. You're, you took the time to even listen to a podcast to hopefully further yourself more in church production. And so, um, that was a huge win. And at the same time, it was exhausting for people. Like I was on staff at the chapel and I transitioned off staff in November of 2020, um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, but I remember, you know, even this point a year ago, I was exhausted. Like it had been a long six months of 17 weeks of online recordings, going back to live and then streaming online, still trying to have excellent products, both in the room and in, in online. And so, you know, I got sour and I had to like check myself at the door from saying the things that I'm saying to not do on a podcast or saying to not do on a blog or something like that. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of good things that came out of COVID. It, it, it put the stop to a lot of things that churches shouldn't be doing. And it also recentered the thought process that like what we do as church production artists are valued and the churches that do value that, I think they ended up hiring more people or to hire more people. Um, and the churches who didn't value that, um, I, to be honest, I think that church TDs have left those churches. That's just what has happened. Um, they saw the resources or the, um, the way that people were respected, both in a good and bad way. That all came out. Like Everybody saw the best and the worst parts of people during COVID. And so... It's a, it's, I don't know, it's a pendulum and it's really, really hard to, to navigate, but it's, uh, it's, it's been crazy for everybody. Man, I'd, I'd, I'd love to focus on something that, that, you know, I think you're really making a, a great point of and, and, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we talk about it. Uh, a lot of people say burnout, you know, and that's something that we talk about a lot, uh, with different, the different guests that we serve. Um, but even just extending from that, I think you can, you can have burnout, but not really know that you're, you're, you're having burnout. And I think, yeah. um, you know, you can, you can kind of get to this point where you do turn a little bit sour towards people or the purpose of what you're doing. And you do turn into, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to just focus on the gear. I'm just going to do the gear. Well, I'm going to get in my cycle. I'm going to do, you know, do my work on, on editing and get this, you know, sermon up and every week and, and be fine. Um, and be doing that for a while, but not really understanding the purpose and not the intention behind it or the heart behind it. Um, you know, how, how would you encourage somebody, um, who's maybe in that spot or not, not know that they're getting to that spot, but maybe heading that way, um, to just remember the purpose behind it. Um, I have to think back often to the place where I was and have been over the course of, 
I don't know. And when I look at the last 10 years, there's certain instances in my life that remind me of why I do what I do. And I have to intentionally bring myself back to the point where I felt like God had spoken to me the clearest and said, like for me, like a, like a, a good example without going into too much detail was um, when I was transitioning off the, at the chapel, there was a very clear moment in my time there that actually happened on September 1st of 2020. And it was very, two weeks ago, it was a good reminder of that for me, um, where God had me flat on my face in a video booth uh, saying, you are not done with ministry yet, so stop trying to leave, number one. And number two, you got to heal your heart before you go. And so I had had all these things that had really, really hurt me. And so often, even though I'm not on staff at that church anymore, ministry, I said it earlier, still sucks sometimes. And so I have to almost daily remind myself that God had called me back into ministry. He called me to not leave and... um I pray that God reminds me of those things when I wake up in the morning and I'm frustrated or I'm driving home frustrated or whatever that is. And so it doesn't make it easy just because God calls me into something is actually probably going to be way harder than something he's not calling me into. And so um, when I have experienced that kind of burnout before, it's so important to take me back to that spot. And if you're listening to this and you don't feel like you have that spot, that you can go back to, then you probably need to take some time and spend some time in the word and prayer about asking God to remind you of whatever he's calling you into. And so um, I have that conversation often with some of the guys on my team. And I just say, what, what is God calling you into? And how can I help you get there? Um, how can I help you at least take that step? And whether that's like taking a couple days off or maybe even me as the leader reminding them or, or putting a, a word on their heart, just saying, Hey, I think God's calling you to who knows blank, you know, whatever, insert whatever you want there. Um, so yeah, I mean, burnout for me, like this week, like I've been running crazy for the last six weeks. It's just been bananas. So today is like, I'm off all, all this week. It's my first, it's my first day. Um, not kind of doing the normal, my normal rhythm. I get to see my kids a little bit more because I've been gone a lot. And so, and then, that's and then I, Resi calls you up and says, Hey, can you sit <laughs> on a podcast for <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm doing work, but it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of rhythm. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's where the huge win is for me. And, you know, I woke up today and I'm even like, even as I was preparing for this podcast, I was going back and into some notes of other things that I had written down on other podcasts that I've been a part of the last year or so. And just being reminded of just like, oh yeah, this is why I do what I do even now and today, just on this call, you know, with us. So yeah, it's cool to do that. But yeah, people who are experiencing that burnout, number one, you're not alone. Number two, you got to go back to that place where you felt like God had spoken to you and called you into the season that you're at now. Yeah. Remind yourself of that. Cause if you, it's so easy to forget it. It's yeah. so, so, so easy to forget. And I'll say one more thing on that. Like when that day happened at the chapel where I felt like God had spoken to me so clearly, I remember calling my wife on the way home and explaining what had happened. And I wrote it down in a journal 
And I told her, I said, I'm going to forget the way that I feel right now. And I need you to remind me of where I'm at right now and how close I felt to God and how close I felt to what he was speaking to me. And I'm going to forget. And I'm, I'm telling you what, in the last year, there has been many times that I have forgotten that voice and what it sounds like. And my wife, Cassie, has had to remind me, no, this is, do you remember that conversation? Do you remember when you got that phone call? Do you remember when you, when you, this, you have to put yourself back in that spot because you're going to forget it. Yeah. So even, even the simple things, like I know for me personally, it was like, I, I used to video director. I was a technical director at a, at a church. And so I, 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 I realized one week that there was a back door that led like basically right to the, right to the video room, video production room. And uh, there were days that I could come in at six, go into that room, leave at noon, maybe talk to three people uh, the entire day and not see anybody in the rest of the church and like walk out the back door again. And it was like, I made it a habit for myself. Even the simple act of like, before the service began, you know, 15 minutes before I would be like, all right, things are set. We've got the slides up, doors are open. And I would just make it a habit to like walk through the back of yep. the auditorium and just like, you know what, this is, this is why we're doing it. It's not just because we're switching video sources on a screen. Like there's, you know, a few thousand people here who hmm. are a part of this. And so, yeah. yeah, I think that's been something that's been really important. One thing I want to touch on quick it, and Nate, you had mentioned it, Caleb, you had mentioned it as well. There's like this, there's this way that burnout sneaks up on you in a way. It, a lot of times it's not as obvious it does, yeah. as a, you know, as a, as a major failure or, you know, a, a missed, you know, assignment or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's not as, as obvious as that. Um, what are some telltale signs that maybe our listeners could take inventory on right now? And be like, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to take some time to remember, you know, where, how I was called into this and why I was called into this. Um, what are some signs that we can look for when it comes to burnout that maybe aren't so obvious? Yeah. You know, I, I, th- I can only really speak to myself and yeah. what I do. And um, one of the things that I notice in myself when I start becoming very frustrated when I see an email from somebody that might be a request. It might be a comment. It might be, Hey, we need to change something. And I get frustrated about it. Like I did that this past week. I I like saw an email and I was like, I was so annoyed and I was just like, Nope, I have to stop right now. Because if I, if I go down this rabbit trail that my personality so desperately wants to go down, I'm going to become even more frustrated and just like pessimistic about everything that we do. And so for me, it's, yeah, it's pessimism. It's, um, being easily annoyed and frustrated. And so my wife can attest to that as well. Like there is burnout that happens that she'll notice in the ha- in my house with my kids, with whatever. And she'll go, mm, I think you need to go do something outside of the house right now or outside of work because you're, yeah, you're not responding the way you should to the kids. You're not responding to me the way you should. Um, you know, for me, like personally, anybody who's listening, that's going through some of those things, I am a massive fan of counseling. I go to counseling Mm -hmm. every two weeks and it has been life changing, not because I'm totally crazy, even though I probably am. (laughs) 
it's because I just have somebody who I can just say the things that I'm not allowed to say out loud to, to be honest. I say things to my counselor that uh, I can't express to, to many people, and it helps me say, is that a thought that I should actually be having or is that like, what am I actually frustrated about or whatever? And so in ministry, like I have an amazing Christian counselor that I've been going to that has been in ministry before. And, um, it's a huge way for me to understand what are the areas in my life that I either need to stop or say no to. Cause I love saying yes to things. I'm on a podcast on a day that I should be off. <laughs> I, Man, if we didn't already ooh. feel horrible about ourselves. I know, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh my gosh. It's, it, but, but like, that's me. Like I'm the one that told you guys, yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, you know, like awesome. I gave you this date. And so, sure. um, it's those type of things. And my counselor and other people who hold me accountable are going, Hey, when's the last time you took a day off? When are you, when is the last time you went out on a date night with your wife? When is the last time you, you know, and asking me those questions and that helps recenter me, mm-hmm. you know, and recenter why we do what we do. Cause it's so easy to get in the daily grind of everything that we do and my calendar that's packed from nine to five every day full of meetings and back to back to back to back. And so you know, yesterday was a perfect example of that. We had a we had a brand new campus launch yesterday morning, and it was our big vision weekend for the ministry year. Launched the campus, went back to the broadcast campus to finish up that service. Uh, we had a night of worship last night, and so we had rehearsal all, all yesterday afternoon. I mixed front of house for 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 the for the night of worship last night. Had to prep the outdoor LED wall that we have outside before I left, and I got home about ten o'clock. And I'm like, I'm tired, like I'm exhausted, you know. And so uh, there's a lot of telltale signs of burnout. But for me, it's like when I start to get annoyed about things that I shouldn't necessarily be annoyed about. Yeah, that is that is the uh, that's saying there's something else going on that I need to figure out and check at the door because this is not that's not okay. If you're speaking to either, of course, you know, I think we talk about burnout and I think burnout can happen at your own, you know, your own cause of you pushing yourself too hard, you not enabling people, leading up people. I mean, I think that, 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 you know, at least for me, I know is a common failure point where it's like, man, it's always easier just to be able to do something myself than to train mm-hmm. somebody to do it than to spend 15 minutes recruiting a volunteer. Um, so I think there's a lot that, that we can do ourselves and maybe you can, you know, touch on some of that too, on, on some practical things. Um, but like in an environment, uh, where, you know, churches drive people hard, just like you're saying, I mean, you could have events going to 10 o'clock, you know, every night for multiple nights in a week. Mm -hmm. And, um, how do you encourage either the leaders of, uh, a, a, a church like that, or somebody who's in a church like that to be able to, you know, set those boundaries. Yeah. If you think Henry, you know, Cloud and Townsend. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, set, setting those boundaries, how, how, how do you establish those healthy boundaries either for you as an individual that's in that situation or for leadership over people that might need to be setting those? Yeah, that's, it, it's hard. Um, it's hard in, in every way. And I struggle with this specifically. So like, this is a good example. My, my LD that I have on staff was working on a set change. There was a ton of stuff to prep for this past weekend, not a worship programming, uh, just all of the things that, that, that he had to do in the last couple of weeks. And so, um, 
you know, I asked him, I said, what do you need to do your job? Well, and he's like, I need you to get me out of these couple of standing meetings that are happening in the next couple of weeks. And I need you to basically deal with a campus launch. And if, if you desperately need me, call me, but like, I, I, if I cannot be there, that would be super helpful. So I'm like, yes, you got it. And I found myself a couple times calling him and he ended up spending a day out, out there with us at our Huntley campus pre-launch to, to get some stuff patched for lighting. And I was like, crap, I totally like did the opposite of what I told you I was going to do. And I told you that I was going to give you space and margin to do your job. And now because of my ask for you, you now had to come in and basically have to work an extra day this week to catch up on the stuff that I had you, you know, uh, that you were supposed to do because I asked you to do something else. And so I find this, you know, both as the leader and the person that, that needs those things for me to even acknowledge to him to say, Hey, I know that I said that I wasn't going to do this, but I'm totally going to ask you to do this. It at least acknowledges to him that says, Hey, Caleb at least remembered that he said that he was going to pull me out of this thing. And now he has to ask me to come back. Um, and then there's follow-up of saying, Hey, make sure that you take the week. And so he's, he, he's taking the week off and I made sure that he had, he's out of everything, turns off his phones, emails gone. Nobody's going to call. Um, not every organization has the ability to just like send their guy away and be totally fine. Um, and so I totally get that dynamic for anybody that's listening, being like, well, my boss wouldn't let me have the week off for, for free and not take PTO because, um, you know, I worked really hard in the last couple of weeks. I'm like, okay, that's, that's fair. That's totally fair. It doesn't happen in every organization. Um, but let your leader know what you need to do your job effectively and not die. I mean, honestly, like I, I, I've had that conversation many, many times with leaders and it was for the first time that people had said that in my organization. So when I started in November at Christ community, we were running, we were doing stuff. And I, I was just like, here's the deal. Like I, I, I'm more than happy to do all of these things, but if you have me do all of these things at the same time for the next year, I won't be here again in year two because I won't make it. So they're like, oh my gosh, nobody's ever said that before. They always just got bitter and angry and mean. I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to tell you what I need. Mm. Um, you know, and I just said, how can we delegate some of these things to other teams, to other ministries that can take care of these things? Can we push some of these events on the events team to manage versus our team? Like, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't always work like that, right? Like we still have to do stuff that's hard and annoying and goes out of our schedule. But, um, telling your leader what you need is tremendous. And, um, so if you can do that and you feel comfortable asking your leader, tell them what you need to, to do your, to do your job well. And then if you are a leader over whether it's volunteers or staff that's leading in this space, you have to ask them what they need. What do you need to not burn out? What do you need to, to feel like you're getting some rest? And then honor that and work as hard as you possibly can to actually honor those things. And when you can't honor them or when, or when you have to go back on what you said, apologize and acknowledge the fact of what you're doing. And, and it just shows that, okay, I understand a little bit more why Caleb's asking me to come in because we had this emergency at a campus and that makes more sense versus you get the call or the text. We've all gotten it from our bosses. It was like, hey, I really need you. And you're like, it's my day off. 
They're like, I don't care. I really need you, you know? And that just like, it, it breeds frustration and anger. And like those things like sit with you for a long time. If you don't have the, if you don't have the, the right attitude about it. So yeah. that's a couple things that I, I try to do and would encourage other people to, to do as well. That's great. That's amazing. All right, Caleb, we are getting close to the end of our time together, but we always yeah. like to um, kind of like give you the floor in a way. What's the last 10%? What are the things that we haven't asked you or maybe you were hoping to talk about uh, today uh, with us? Yeah, there's a lot. You know, I think um, my, my huge heart is for people to not get burned out in ministry and I tell, I tell guys on my team, I say, like, we have a really, really young staff. And I say, I would love to see you make it to 30 in ministry. I want to see you make it to 30. And that's really, really hard when we work with a lot of great integrators and vendors that all would love to pick up every single one of my people that work for me because they're great employees. And so that's, that's hard. And um, try to make it to whatever that goal is for you in ministry, like set a goal. You know, I, I have that conversation with people um, all the time and candidates who call, whether they're looking for the next job um, or calling to just vent and talk about what's, what's going on in their life. And so we, um, we have Philo staffing and our partnership with Slingshot. Like, like we care a lot about that and we care about the next steps for people. And so, Whatever that is, if there's if there's something going on in your life, if you just want to vent, like you should call me and or email me because I would love to just like hear from you because I don't want to see people just quit ministry because it's hard because it's going to be hard wherever you go and the grass is not always greener. It's actually got more problems, but you just don't know about them um, and you got to find them out on your own and that's what's so challenging. And so if you feel like God is pushing you on to the next thing and you feel like you're, you're willing to step into ministry with a different set of open hands that over the years have been maybe a little bit more closed and, and a little bit more tight-fisted, um, call us because we would love to help you get to that next spot because ministry is hard and um, I want to see people be able to thrive in an environment where churches value the skills that they bring to the table they value um, whatever culture and personality needs are of, of a certain person. Like what I need at a church is not what you need at a church. And so if I can help you find um, a church that values the things that you care about, then it's an enormous win because it's only just like doing kingdom work together. And so that's that's what I would say is the biggest thing that that I would love to see. And for anybody who's doing that um, and wants to figure out what that either transition looks like, like give us a call. Um, and at the same time, if you're wanting to hire somebody like the people that I'm describing, give us a call because we we try to do that. Um, it's not easy. It's not fun. It's really hard. It takes a long time to find the right person. Um, but we try to do it and uh, and help the church as we go. And so it's exciting to see how... Um, yeah, that is impacting churches all across the country, and we're excited to see how God's going to continue to move through what we're doing. And um, I'm just thankful that yeah, God's put me in the spot to have a small portion uh, and 
yeah, small part in kind of what we're doing and hopefully making a bigger impact down the road that hopefully one day I'll be able to look back and say, oh man, okay, that's why we did that. That's, that's why we we're doing what we do. So that's amazing. Cool. Thanks so much, Caleb. Really appreciate yeah, your man. time, man. And it's, it's really cool to, uh, to hear your heart for people being in the, in the right spot. Um, and being content in what they do and having a healthy environment in what they do. Um, yeah. While at the same time also saying that, you know, there, there is a time when you, when you are feel called to the next thing or you, there is a time where maybe you do need to get out of an unhealthy situation. And yeah. in those times, you know, you just need to be open and be willing to talk to people and uh, figure out where a healthy place is going to be for you. Yeah, that's right. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, just a massive fan and um, yeah, of everything you guys do and uh, the impact that you guys have uh, in churches all across the world and organizations all across the world now. It's like, man, it's so cool to, to think of a small dream that you guys had or Paul had um, and now to look at you guys 130 employees deep uh, is pretty crazy to see in a very short period of time. And so I, uh, yeah, following my dreams like you guys have done and, um, we'll just, we'll just keep at it until God tells me to stop. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Caleb. Thanks, Caleb. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. That was incredible. Yeah. I think really timely too, especially right now going into fall leading into Christmas season. Um, Something that we all all need to be prepared for, uh, no matter where we are involved in production, that weird hours and weird schedules and, you know, all of those things are, are, are a big part of what we do. And yeah. it's very easy to, um, to not prepare yourself physically, mentally, mm-hmm. spiritually for, for that to happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm right along those same lines with Caleb where he was talking about like... You know, I have the propensity to say yes to things that I, I just don't have the bandwidth for. Yeah, and uh, really taking that ownership, yeah, over your time and prioritizing, you know, yourself because you know if you can bring your best self, and it, it mm-hmm. sounds cliche, but if you can bring your best self to the hours that you're putting in at your organization, like that's going to benefit everyone. Yep across the board, it's going to benefit your production. Right. And, and the more you say yes, like the, the less you're going to have to yeah. offer. Yeah. And yeah, like there are going to be times where, you know, your boss calls you in, uh, you know, at a time, you know, you weren't planning on, um, but really like taking inventory about, you know, how those are affecting, mm-hmm. you know, your overall well being. Yeah. Um, because I, I think, and especially in the tech, world i think we just we just have this mindset of like we're just going to do what it takes to get it done yeah and, and that's awesome um but at what cost yeah i think is what we need to you know keep remembering and, yeah. and think about as we go along well and just even the ripple effects i mean the ripple effects of you but and then you know i'd say the next more obvious one would be the ripple effects of your family mm-hmm. um, absolutely are going to feel that in ways that you probably don't even realize um, but then the ripple effects too of that, of having uh, an attitude that's not prepared and ready, 
on the team that you work with. I mean, that's going to affect them. That's going to affect their capacity to do things Mm -hmm. in an excellent way. And then it's ultimately everything that we do when we're a part of production, everything that we do affects in the, in the end, the experience of the people that we're creating this environment for. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if, if something that you do is, is going to affect that person and and how they're going to be able to receive your message, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, for those of us that are, uh, you know, serving under someone that is a, you know, a leader boss or whatever that is asking for a lot. Uh, I think something Caleb said that really stood out to me that also seemed really hard to do is like speaking up for yourself and saying, Hey, like this, I can do this, Mm -hmm. but here's going to be the effect that, you know, the cause and effect of that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, kind of developing that, that voice, uh, you know, and, and having that kind of courage to, to approach a leader and saying, Hey, like I can do this, but what else has to change right. in order for me to do that? Yeah. Um, and I would say nine out of 10 times that leader is going to be like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't right. even think about that. Yeah. And so often we can build it up in our minds yeah. where it's like, Oh my gosh, like they're going to, you know, this is not going to be good. I'm going to be viewed as, you know, not being able to handle the pressure yeah. or not being able to step up to the occasion. And really that's not the case. Like they, the leader just doesn't know yeah. what your bandwidth is. And so, yeah. um, yeah, it doesn't always turn out maybe the way that we, uh, you know, worst case scenario, think of it. Yeah, the first step is to advocate for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not doing that, you don't have an... And, and, I, and I feel like for me personally, too, it's like, it's so easy to say, to to complain about the environment that's around me before I actually take the work to be an advocate for myself. Sure. Um, and I know that's like... Um, that, that book that I mentioned, you know, Boundaries, Henry Cloud and Townsend, like yeah. that talks a lot about that. Um, but if you're in an environment too, where you are being an advocate for yourself, but that's not being received, like that's, that's when you do need to start having those tougher conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And, say, and that'll reveal a lot about yeah. the situation you're in and, yeah. and whether or not it's, you know, it's on you not setting mm-hmm. proper boundaries or it's on leadership, not respecting yep. the boundaries that you're requesting. So absolutely. Yeah. Good, good stuff, man. Good stuff. That's mm-hmm. awesome. All right. So this is the end of the show. But before we head out, just uh, please do us a favor, like, follow, share, whatever the word is that they're using nowadays. <laughs> tweet. Tweet. Do we, yeah. Tweet. Do people still tweet? I think so. Cool. I, we tweet sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it helps the show. It helps uh, what we're doing here get out uh, to the people that you know. And really that's what we're all about here is just trying to add value and help shine a light into the shadows. And you guys are a huge part of helping us do that. Um, So that's pretty much it, right? Thanks for doing what you do. All right. Have a good one. See you. Goodbye. Thank you.